0: when it comes to the horror anthology genre the bar was set high by the first two creep show films however if we've learned anything from hollywood no good idea has ever gone unflogged to death but despite a severe lack of masterminds at the helm the truth about creep show 3 is that it's not that bad <laughs> Welcome, welcome, one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A-grades in B-movies. Now, on this show, in the past, we have covered a number of what we like to call suckles, basically sequels that don't live up to the, the, the high bar that was set by its predecessor. Sometimes, however... There are still diamonds in the rough to find in these films despite you never even knowing that they actually existed in the first place. That's what we're dealing with today because we are dealing with Creepshow 3, a film I will admit I did not know existed until it was brought forth by our good friend Philip from the Adapted to Screen podcast. Philip, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for yourself.
0: I, I am really really good. now aside from being our seemingly go-to horror guy these days um, <laughs> when you mentioned this film, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, oh dear god they, they made a third and I remember watching like especially the second creep show. the second creep show personally was my favorite. I guess it's the one that you know I had access to the most growing up. but what is it about this film that made you want to put it forth?
1: Um, I think because it's universally panned and everyone hates it and uh, there's there's things in it that uh, are very good. And I think sometimes you just need to see past your anger of of it's not like the first two and just get on board and enjoy it.
0: And I think with the anthology genre, you can do that Because, of course, not everything, I mean, even in the same movie Not everything is supposed to be tied together But there is some actual clever writing in this one And, you know, maybe not in the dialogue section But there is some clever, some clever plotting, at least But before we get into that, it is time to take this horror threequel And trailerize it
2: Five tales of horror Set in one discount hollywood generic town lot. Five tries at actually telling a scary story. Or even a mildly amusing one. Enter Creepshow 3. A sequel without the original creators. Without recognizable actors. Without a proper CGI budget. And without the wit and style of the first two films. In a sequel that no one asked for, wrap your head around the biggest question that this film poses. Did anyone actually ever find these scripts scary? The third time tries charmingly hard to be good in Creep Show 3. Rated R for really not that scary.
1: Very good.
0: <laughs> now I I have to admit like I, I I in doing my research and watching this I'm like I know no one in this. Normally, in the first two Creepshow films, there was you know at least a, a face that either went on to do something really good, uh, or a face that has been around long enough. And of course, the two biggest names involved in the first two films were, of course, George Romero and Stephen King. You get none of that here.
1: No, you get mega budget.
0: Exactly, it's it's like the Kirkland brand version of a creep show film. Um, but without Romero and King's involvement, um, does it still matter? Should, should it even have the creep show name on it?
1: Well, well, we've had that conversation before, haven't we? Especially when it comes to Halloween three, should it actually have the creep show name on it? Um, I think, yeah, if you look back at uh, Creep Show One, you had uh, Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, even Stephen King in uh, the first creep show film. And in the second, I think you George Kennedy was in, I'm pretty sure he was, I think he was in the tobacco, the, uh, the tobacco Indian mm-hmm. sketch. Uh, so there was, you know, and, but, and at the same time, they were all, everyone in those films were decent actors. The state of the acting, actually I've made some notes, uh, but the, the state of the acting was close to shocking, to be perfectly honest. <clears throat> And it should have. They could have done it lots of different ways, um, which we'll talk about later. But um, what, actually, the one note that I'd made was: did did did, a, did the director win the rights to the Creep Show name in a game of cards? Because that's kind of what it seems like.
0: It, it does feel like a pickup at a garage sale and then yeah. you know, basically turn it into a student film because there were a lot of actors where this is, you know, if not their first one of their earlier roles and really afterwards, they didn't go on to do much. But let's get through the list here. Uh, the film stars uh, Stephanie Petty, AJ Brown, Alina Madison, Camille Lacey, Ryan Carty, em- Emmett McGuire, Beau Cresick, April Wade, and many more. Names that I have never encountered in a single other production. I mean, I know some of them did go on to do some more horror films. Uh, I, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, Camille Lacey was in one of those um fan-made Star Trek series that's out there Indeed, for an episode. Yeah. But but really nothing you're going to recognize. Same thing with the with the writer and directors. It was written and directed by Anna Clavel and James Duddelson uh, with the stories written by other people. Again, not George Romero, not Stephen King. And, I mean, Anna Clavel and James Duddleson do have a history of working together. I don't know their partnership or whatever, but it's one of those things where it's like it's it's discount horror and they happen to be okay at it the film according to wikipedia had a budget of about 3.5 million dollars and no listed box office because it went straight to video released in 2006 it's almost almost 20 years to the day when creep show 2 came out back in 1987 uh over on rotten tomatoes it has an audience score of 11 <laughs> percent
1: that's They're, generous
0: there is no official tomatometer listed because it only has six reviews so i went through it did some math got my calculator you know yay school um (laughs) apparently if if you go through the ratings that are listed it has an aggregate score of 22 of those six reviews but i'm sure it's in reality probably going to end up being much lower if anyone goes and actually reviews it um however we have to get in, rather than go through actor by actor because really you know these are brand new faces and because it's an anthology series much like we do with movie 43 we're going to take this story by story now there are five stories in this but there's also an epilogue and kind of like a prologue if you will and let's start with that that animated prologue of the hot dog vendor killing a dog and then selling the dogs um i <laughs> I personally found the animation style kind of cool in this one, almost like a like a, like an indie horror game, Five Nights at Freddy's kind of feel to it. Um, what did you think about the the animated intro?
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was cool. I mean, it's interesting that you said, uh, I mean, I like the fact that you do all the research because um, I'd written down that the budget must have been quite good because it everything come across as good other than some of the acting, if you know what I mean. Obviously they didn't really pay much for the script or the script writers and the actors were just doing what they could do, but the actual sets and the design and the costumes and the props were all, and the animation was all quite good. And I was like, so they've actually spent some money on this somewhere. There is money there somewhere, but yeah, I enjoyed the animation. I thought it was a nice way to kick in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, everyone likes a bit of animation before a film starts, surely. You know what I
0: mean? I mean, the fact that it's it's short, right? It's it conveys a, a definitely a, a a spooky tone to it. It's a cool animation style. So it reminds me of, and the fact that there's no dialogue in it either, almost adds to the creepiness of it. It reminds me of if you watch on Amazon Prime. Uh, the boys put out uh, a short animated series, almost in a in a Looney Tunes esque style, called Diabolical, and it's it's a ton of fun. Like it's it's gross and wrong in all the right ways, uh, and it just kind of adds to that 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 kind of setting. This I think set the tone very well. However, we have to now get to the first story because it leads into the story of. Alice. How was well, just,
1: this but, uh, I say, just before you do move into that story, I think if I remember correctly, I think, uh, Creepshow 2 had that animation, uh, that ran all the way through, didn't it? Was it the boy who uh, got the box from the, um, from the post office and it was the Venus flytrap, was it? Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. So it's probably playing a bit of homage to, you know, to the second film as well to kind of settle you in. L- lure
0: you in, and that's one of the things that that's different from this one. In the first two creep show films, the stories kind of all started from comic book images, and then uh, kind of segued into the the live action. Here, they used this sort of you know comic bookization, if you will, of of a pan or like the the end scene of the story to transition to the next one. This does kind of pay somewhat homage to that, although you're going to find the the comic book beginnings of the stories missing a little bit. Um but let's get to the first story of Alice. How was this story, the this, this section of the film for you?
1: <laughs> well, I thought it was because you know, <clears throat> I've had a little think, and I think it was I think each each story had a kind of a moral tale to it if you know what i mean so they're kind of building up to the moral rather than the moral being in the story um and i think it was very much of its time you know you've got uh, you've got alice who's uh, you know a like, popular girl at school and, you know, hasn't got time for anyone so on and so forth but i actually enjoyed it and i'm glad it was only about 5 or 6 minutes long it couldn't have been any much longer than that in all fairness but no i actually quite enjoyed this bit i thought it was i thought it was a good take on the the remote control.
0: I, I I will give Stephanie Petty um, all kudos. You know, you're not supposed to like Alice. Alice is supposed to be a failed, flawed person. And when someone, you know, comes on screen and you instantly dislike that character, that actor has actually done a decent job. And you're right, the, the idea of the remote control changing their reality and the fact that Alice was kind of reliving the same scene, but whether it's, you know, the change the color, change the language, like, like that part makes sense. But what was never really addressed until very kind of sort of briefly later on is every time the remote control is used, part of her body is all of a sudden covered in boils and blisters and Mm. it doesn't really get addressed until this scene near the end where she's running out completely covered in boils and blisters like a... Uh, like like a horror movie practice session at a college class for for movie prosthetics, and finally the 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 professor, the guy who makes this, uh you know, the, this remote control, said, "Well, this is who you really are," and then changes her into a bunny. Like, I don't know. The problem is, it's it's never really addressed. Like. Her hand is like basically mummified with boils And at no point is she like Oh well that that's just it, She just kind of works with it It's just there um, There's a lot that's not explained I do agree that it's a good length For the starter story Because uh, I don't know if you could go much further with it um, It did feel a little You know Almost like Extreme Goosebumps-esque to me It seemed a little light
1: well I think I think possibly what the what the writer straight director was trying to do was put the trust in the audience that this is going to pay off because if you're watching it you're going what the hell am i watching this is madness and am i being set up for another hour and 35 minutes of madness but actually it's the professor who's the integral part throughout the whole of throughout the whole of the story, where in normal creep shows you have your 20 minute, 30 minute story, and it just moves on to a different story. And all of these stories are linked. And that's one of the things that I liked about it is because you know all the characters and you get to know the characters as, as the time goes. And you see little different, you know, like for instance, in the, uh, in the stripper segment, she talks to those chaps, but those chaps are going to see the professor and you learn more about the professor as you go along, even though you're not expecting to, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. And
0: and that's the thing, like as you're going on and you all of a sudden, you know, make the connection that all of these stories are connected into the same town and kind of connected to the same people. Um, it becomes a clever thing, you know, how they're able to, you know, have almost anchor points in different stories as you're passing through. And you're right. I think from a writing perspective, that way of tying all the anthology stories together is, to me, much more clever than the first two creep shows, even if the acting and the the creepiness or horror-esque-ness of the stories don't necessarily match up.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. And I think, again, you know, if you called it, for instance, um, uh, one night in Smallville or one night in Texasville or whatever, you know, the because it's all set in the same kind of town, then you'd get away with it a little bit more than Creepshow 3.
0: Yeah. I, I, if I remember correctly in, in my research, I think there, there there's something in one of the scenes where it identifies the town as Creepville or something like that. So ah, uh, you okay. know, basically, A, come up with a better town name. But, Indeed. But I do like the idea of... A town being, you know, tormented through whatever, you know, whatever reason or whatever cause has caused all these things to happen in this town. Creepshow 3 makes the case for an anthology Black Mirror style series all set in one town. But I don't think the Creepshow name should be attached to it. I think you're right on that one.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And uh, um, Have you ever seen Sherlock? with Benedict Cumberbatch I have okay, cool. Um, so they were, they were hour and a half long episodes. They weren't movies. They weren't billed as a TV movie. It was in, well, in, in England, it was Sherlock's on. And that was that. And they were kind of independent, independent stories, but with a, but with, you know, a continuation throughout them that kept you hooked. As you went along and this could have been a little bit like that they could have done like especially with uh the radio that could have been an hour on its own and been very interesting
2: mm-hmm. you know what i
1: mean there's there's certain bits in the certain bits in this that would have done really well being a standout and having a, a three-part uh, i suppose in i don't know whether you guys have them in canada or not but you know you have the like a mini series so you have monday tuesday wednesday nine o'clock till ten o'clock it's you know, creep show three. And you just do it that way. But what do I know? <laughs> well, I
0: mean, they've taken the creep show and put it onto Shutter now, and I think that's actually as a series. So clearly the idea was there. But I mean you well, know we've
1: got twenty four episodes, haven't they? I haven't got I haven't got access to Shudder because um, I just wouldn't watch enough of it to, to warrant paying for the subscription. But um, yeah, and, and they seem to have some really good actors in that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I think because it's got a streaming service behind it, because there's, you know, there's a decent amount of money, you know, that these these streaming services are putting into their productions because they want them to be good they have to be good for people to sign up to the service not everyone's going to sign up for you know rando retro 80s horror film with actors you barely remember you need Uh, to have good content
1: (laughs) no i would definitely if there was a if like for instance um uh, if pm entertainment like put their back catalog out and charge like 20 quid a month, I'd be worth subscribing <laughs> to that. <laughs> but but that's where
0: you have services, like what they're called fast services, you know, free ad-supported television, uh, things like Tubi and Plex and FilmRise.
1: Pluto, Pluto TV, that's that's one we've got over here. That's very good, actually.
0: Oh, we've, we've got it to here too. And, you know, because they partnered with Chorus Television here. So, you know, Pluto TV, and again, it's good it's there's some good stuff on there um i i'm not gonna lie i i kind of binged the transformers channel when it when it popped on because of course you know my kid you know one of my sons is into transformers and i was a transformers kid growing up but the thing is if you're trying to the thing with tubi and channel and fast services like that is that they're free Right. So it's a no brainer to download them and pop on there every now and then and see what they've got. And you're like, oh, occasionally you find a, you know, a a diamond in the rough and occasionally you find uh, a few stinkers. It's not, you know, but you didn't put any money into it. So it's okay, You know, with Shudder, you know, they like Netflix and Disney Plus and Prime and Paramount Plus and then all the ones you got to pay for, you know. You're
1: going to make it worth your while, haven't you?
0: Well, exactly. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I would, you know happily watch any of the BritBox TV shows and if there was a or even Acorn TV and if there was an ad supported free version sign me up but there's only so many streaming services that one can pay for.
1: I've got to say that BritBox has got to be the biggest scam I have ever seen in my whole life (laughs) especially especially for British people because you're like well, we could just watch this on like ITV Three. <laughs> you know, what I mean, well, why on earth are we paying to watch stuff we've already seen?
0: See, I think BritBox works better for us, you know, in Canada and the no, US of because we we don't necessarily have access to all of those shows. Although I got to tell you, I got my Roku TV and I and I've been watching those classic Doctor Who episodes because I grew up in the Tom Baker era. So there's that. <laughs>
1: I think I I think I think the best thing that they've got on Brickbox is Uthoria. I think that's what it's called. I don't know whether you've ever seen that or not. Um,
0: it, th- this isn't the one with Zendaya that's done by HBO. Uh,
1: oh, no, Utopia. No, Uthoria, Utopia. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, TV series from uh, 2013, uh, which kind of, it's, it's 10 years later. Everyone went through the pandemic. You're like, ah, so we, everyone knew it was coming. Uh, that's it. but I think that's on BritBox and it's like oh, I want to watch that again, but i ain't paying the money. Well,
0: <laughs> it's funny because you've got Utopia and then you had Prime Video that kind of redid Utopia for the North American audience. Which, for the record, people just watch the British version. It's always going to be better. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember watching Broadchurch when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then you know they made Grace Point or whatever it was for for the U.S. market with David mm-hmm. Tennant in the same role okay. with All a right. bad American accent, and I'm just okay. like, no, just, no, Broadchurch. <laughs> watch Broadchurch. Just watch the British version.
1: Well, well, nothing can be uh, nothing can be as worse as the American version of Faulty Towers.
0: Wait, there was an American version of Faulty Towers.
1: Oh my dear God, have you never seen it? I think it was called. Like major pain or something. I know that's a movie, but i um, because like the guy was called Major, and it was majorly. <laughs> sh-. um,
0: <clears throat> oh, I, I'm I'm sorry. You you cannot beat Faulty Towers. I absolutely love that show. No,
1: but they but, but but they tried to they tried to remake it, and uh, it was dreadful. I, there, there,
0: there, there's there's a podcast waiting to happen there, adapted to North America.
1: That's what it means to oh, now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear God. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's it. No, that's it. It was called pain. P-A-Y-N-E. But the guy was major. So he was major pain. Oh, dear God. Um, oh, it was dreadful.
0: <laughs> Next on Adapted to North America. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the radio. And, and And I'm not going to lie. This is the story that where I'm like, you know, Alice was okay, but had that, that goosebumps, maybe electric dreams kind of feel to it where it, it seemed very, you know, for lack of, you know, a better term and for lack of the boils on all over Alice, it seemed kind of sanitized for a creep show film. Um, the radio is what it got to be really creepy and actually, I think, really well done.
1: Oh, and, oh indeed, yeah, this is. I think... <sighs> When you, when you, th- I mean, if you've seen all the creep shows, there's always one or two that you will always remember. And I think uh, like for creep show one, I always remember the, the Ted Danson one, just, you know, cause he was buried up to his neck in the sand. And I couldn't remember much of the story, but I remember that. And then obviously in the second one, I remember the swamp. That was always my favorite. It was the swamp where, uh, oh, when there's on the raft and that blob gets them. If you remember that
0: one, the raft is the one that stands the out raft. for me. On, yeah, on, on that's Show yeah, too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So you remember that. And this one was the one I always remembered the radio cause it had so much potential and it was clearly the longest segment in the film as well. And he could have done so much more with it. Um, but I think, uh, I think the acting was the best in this segment, the acting, other than the police officer, that was really weird, but uh, the acting was the best and just the payoff wasn't good enough.
0: Really, mm-hmm. I mean as, as I'm watching this and you can see where it, it, there's probably zero connection with the actual creation of the film but you know you can see where the idea of being guided by a voice you know you know is part and parcel to uh, kind of the movie her uh, if I remember correctly it's walking Phoenix and the voice of Scarlett Johansson Um you know, and then basically, what what would happen if you know Amazon Alexa got mixed up with AI? But I I do like that it's this this mysterious radio bought on the street, and it has a sentience and it has a, almost a an omnipotence about it too. And you're not quite sure if you know it's in his head or the the fact that other people hear it means it's definitely not just in his head, but you know.
1: It's cool. You're thinking far too much into it, really. It's the voice <laughs> coming out of the radio, Jason. Right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's not in his head. It's coming out of the radio. Yeah, because other people can hear it, but you know, it's one of those things
0: where you where you sit there and say, This is a really cool setup, right? Mm, Maybe the yeah. payoff isn't as as good as you wanted it to be, but I like the fact that it's the bigger radio that he passed on. Um that you know that that ended up being his undoing, uh, by by being bought by the pimp. So you know, and the fact that the radio always knows, and the radio seems to be playing all sides, it it's very very cool. And you know, it's it's a simple plot device. It's simple to film. You know, that you don't need to rely on bad CGI. You don't need to. All you need to rely on is is. Um, a radio that's got, you know, red and green lights on it. And that's about it. I really liked this one.
1: Oh yeah, me too. And I think it's, uh, um, and again, uh, just what I was talking about earlier about the, the writer and the director wanting the audience just to have, or trusting the audience enough to understand what was going on, or at least later on. Because obviously this is basically, this film is about the professor who makes all these weird and wonderful sh- that's affecting everyone's life. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's the professor who makes the radios. And you find, well, you find that out later on when he's talking to the guy who's selling them. Um, but yeah, no, I liked it. Um, I thought it was good. Again, like you said, it was creepy. It was a bit dirty and dingy. But it's very difficult to to get that, that kind of dirty and dingy feel without spending a lot of money.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like you said, the, the budget was three and a half million pounds. And maybe this, uh, uh, again, maybe I remember this because – I quite fancied that bird. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> she's a bit more right." <clears throat> but it was, but it was, um, yeah, you know, it didn't linger. It was kind of like, like when he went and got the money, like she got him to steal the money and she was like, that man saw your money. He's going to come back. And within a few seconds he's there trying to, you know, trying to get in the house to steal the money. So it was very quick. Um, like it didn't linger. Uh, it didn't take him an hour and a half to figure out that the radio is really talking to him. He just accepted the fact, which is always good because you want things to move on. But I really enjoyed this segment. I thought it was the probably the best out of all of them.
0: The only thing I would say, and, you know, you would need a little bit more time for this, but not much more, I don't think, is, you know, the motivation uh, for Jerry to, to go and follow basically this radio's instructions. You know, we know he lacks confidence. We know he's alone. We know he's, you know down on his luck and, you know, buried into the bottle of whatever the hell he's drinking. Um, at, you know, the, the radio just seems to tell him what to do. You know, it would have made, it would have been more interesting if the radio tried to basically, you know, convince him to to do it like he just does these things you know on on the will of the radio which okay if my radio starts talking to me and tells me exactly what i want and need then maybe i'm going to believe it but the radio didn't have to convince him at all and it would have been interesting to see what it took to to what was jerry's um motivation in all of it Hmm.
1: yeah but i think um i think she kind of a little bit when she went like right, you want to get out of here you want to get some money i'll show you where some money is mm-hmm. and so he's probably got a well what have i got to lose you know okay well like show me and if there's nothing there then forget it but actually she took him to half a million quid so it's like okay and he i should but then it's the it's it's all of those things that you've just said about his personality when he's got the sniff of a bit of a bird he's like well yeah i love a bit of that and the rat is going get rid of her <laughs> and he's, then he's not listening because he's thinking from the other end of his body and that was his downfall. And if you just would have listened to the radio, he would be, he'd be living the life of Riley. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know whether you like, just when you're talking then about AI's and stuff like that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of TV now that kind of used, not used this particularly, but if you've ever seen person of interest, uh, it's very much, you know, there's a, there's an automated being telling people what to do and there's other automated beings telling other people what to do and it just becomes that kind of circle of you get an email going here's some money go and do this and you go and do it and someone else gets the same email go and go and do that and there's this this actual idea is very very good although maybe poorly executed in a poor film
0: it definitely was, you know, one of the, one of the better stories in it, and I, I think it, on its own, if given the space, you know, and again in an anthology series, like if you gave this the proper forty-eight minutes or an hour-long kind of black mirror-length kind of episode, you could put a little bit more nuance and multi-layered uh, you know, relationship between Jerry and the radio into it. You know, but for the short amount of time, I think they did the best that they could.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this this is this is a standalone episode, like a Black Mirror episode, and just like you were saying, you know, the the radio could be in different radios, getting different people to do different things at the same time, mm-hmm. and then and then the radio picking their favorite. So which one listens to me the most? Well, I want to make sure he comes up on top, so to speak.
3: Go to PantheonPodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
2: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
3: And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
0: Let's move on to the call, girl. Um, you, You had mentioned this one before as well. This one was another... An, another decent story. I I have some, I have some notes. I have some notes, <laughs> but how was the call girl for you?
1: Well, my first note is I remember why I thought this film was good because of the chick. There was double chicks. So there's one, one hot, nice hot blonde chick and then another one. And that's probably why I thought it was better than what people thought. Um, but I thought, um, I thought, it, I thought there was a good twist in the story. Uh, and again, it, um, it ties the story to it's, this is where the story starts to tie together, especially with the guys outside the professor's house. But no, I enjoyed it. And um, I think the, the only, the only bit that I would say kind of let it down was the reveal of the dead people in the house. That wasn't necessary. They could have done that at the very end.
0: That, that's literally the exact note I wanted to bring up <laughs> Bec- because uh, again, you have this, you know, um you know villain falls into the trap of another villain that they're not quite sure um there there's enough about ryan Cardi's character in this that 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 gives him the creep factor you didn't need to you know open the curtain and reveal you know the bad guyness until like this is something that she should have discovered herself like when she comes into the shower and she hears the voice you know maybe she goes through the house kind of thing and then sees the bodies and then ryan carty comes up with the with the 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 chewy monster face on mm-hmm. you know yeah. like let her discover that she's the one that's fallen into the trap rather than vice versa don't don't spoil it for us be, be yeah. subtle
1: yeah yeah and that would have been easily done wouldn't have cost you anything and would have been a better payoff.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a simple enough plot and it got the exact amount of time that it needed. That's, that's the only thing it is literally the only, like the fact that he's not in any of the pictures, right. And he tries to write it off as the, like,
1: that's all you need. That's it. Yeah. Cause I mean, as I said, I'd only ever said it once before, more or less when it first came out, but I was thinking, is he a burglar? Is that like, is he, or is he just, you know, noticed they've gone on holiday and he's just like robbed the house. And so I was still unsure until the, I was like, oh, I remember now, which was, uh, which was cool. And you didn't really need to know her motivation particularly. But again, I think that that was just a filler just to connect the professor to what was going on. I mean, to be fair, the demon face that was out of the blue, particularly because it was never really mentioned again.
0: Uh it was though in the uh in the the haunted dog episode when he goes to the party and uh Ryan Cardi is there and then No no yeah,
1: but yeah, but it, it, he wasn't there. Oh, were they all monsters then? Am I remembering this? Yeah, there yeah.
0: yeah, there was a party of monsters going on That's
1: there. That's right, yes, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. But no but there was no kind of like oh in the news someone's been eaten to death. You know, there wasn't there was no real connection to anything else so to speak mm-hmm. other than characters mingling with each other if you understand what I'm trying to say
0: yeah i mean you know when when they did the body reveal you know as on their way to the bedroom i'm like oh this is uh you know it's a to catch a killer kind of thing and he's trying to set her up uh you know because he you know we know he killed them. That's fine. You know, I'm like, okay, he's going to set her up to be the killer from there. Mm-hmm, uh, doesn't really, yeah, but to the same, but like, he's a demon. Like, if you, if you, if you don't show the reveal of the dead family hanging up. It's 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 an infinitely better story. It's it's literally one note. You take out one scene; it's one note. It, it's exactly.
1: Yeah. You just just put it at the end, not in the middle. Exactly. And, you, and you're good. The, and this you're
0: good. is why editors are important. Editors will <laughs> see that and go, no, 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 no. Just just delete that scene. I I bet you anything. You you could take this film, do uh do a director's cut or or an editor's cut. Trim out some of the parts that don't need to be. Th- be there and it's a much better film
1: oh you see right now we should start our own company called hindsight productions and that's <laughs> we can just go back and just go back on things that have already been done and just change them
0: right Hi, hindsight yeah. productions now also producing the podcast adapted to north america <laughs> indeed <laughs> let's move on to the professor's wife um i'm going to let you take the floor on this one because oh i got notes
1: okay cool. well i've actually only got one note really which was silly but interesting with a good payoff and the payoff is more at the very end of the film um but i think this is where the this is this is the part of the film now where the the filmmakers are saying to the audience this is what the film's all about this is the professor you might have seen him two or three times already you might have heard about his his uh inventions Uh, which you have a couple of times, well, at least once. Um, You've seen him turn someone into a rabbit and everyone's forgotten. And then you've got these two guys who, I mean, who really goes back to their old teacher's house and go, oh, you're such a great guy, this, that, the other. Um, But yeah, no, this is, again, silly, but interesting. And that's really all I've got to say about that.
0: It was... (laughs) If I'm being honest here, and maybe it's because of the first two creep show films, which you know you were allowed to be, to have a little bit of wit, but nothing in the first two creep show films, if memory serves, was outright comedic. You know, it was you know, no, you're right, maybe a... it was also,
1: it was more serious. This is very, very like I think, like saying, good, like goosebumps, it's silly, but that's why I said it's silly
0: yeah this this one uh, while the the payoff was good and and I like the the direction of the story may, maybe it's just the actors right oh yeah yeah. The the, yeah the the two students that end up chopping up the girl by the way creep show three spoilers uh if you haven't figured it if you if you don't know this podcast by now I'm sorry <laughs> we're, just, we're just gonna put it's not that bad hashtag spoilers um but you know, as as they're pulling up body parts and they're just so seemingly happy about it, you know, it's like, it, it felt like a bad comedy. It felt like oh. Sketchcom.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, the, I the one thing I was kind of disappointed about is like, like they obviously presume she was a robot. There's lots of different ways to find out if she's a robot than chopping up all of her <laughs> chopping her up, you know what I mean? There's just lots of different ways to, to figure it out rather than just kill someone. And I think maybe the first time, you know, if you hit them over the head or chopped off an arm, you'd probably start to feel a bit sick.
0: Mm-hmm. I can safely say I have never chopped up a, a full body before, but I'm pretty darn skippy. You don't need to chop up the whole thing to figure out that your your thesis was wrong in this one. Indeed, yes. Indeed. <laughs> but it, it, it was just played for jokes, it felt like. Like if, you know, if it was said that the teacher would challenge their students with these, not necessarily pranks, but like scenarios where you have to work your way through it. And, you know, they t- they they felt like this was like one more challenge from their their mentor, their favorite professor. You know, if, if it wasn't played for just almost slapstick jokes, then I think yeah. it could have been a bit more for lack of a better term creepy it it, and i do recognize the need sometimes for movies to have a comedic beat a breath if you will but it did this this felt like some kind of you know um big truck kids in the hall kind of comedic sketch com uh
1: yeah i mean i think possibly what the I think maybe they were like right we've got another five minutes what are we gonna do i oh, just do that you know just kind of uh, how do we how do we how do we get to our end goal well, let's do it really quickly and not worry too much about it because we've got the radio <laughs> that's that's the only thing I could think of really because it was kind of un it was it was unnecessary in a way. Uh, and especially like the lengths I went to was, and, and, and like you're saying, playing for laughs. Yeah, I, I just think it was an afterthought, to be perfectly honest.
0: I mean, I think the other thing too is following the radio and the call girl, while it may be a decent spot for a, a comedic beat, um, it, it kind of it, it puts the brakes on the truck, really.
1: Yes, because you've got to get back into should we say more serious storytelling so to speak so yeah it was it was probably the wrong thing to do but then again they, they made the whole film so mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i will say the whole I'm, film.
0: i will say i'm glad it wasn't the last story because if that was your 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 lasting impression or the your you know your denouement for the film then it would be like well why why but oh
1: indeed yes. yeah
0: but no for that we get the haunted dog um how was this one for you
1: you've said the haunted dog now oh yes of course because i've just got the doctor um right so i kind of right i liked it i liked it so what i liked about it is that they made you really dislike the doctor like really dislike him normally in a film you'd uh, especially in the especially in the late 80s um someone had to be a mad rapist for you to that to rape someone to to go, this man is unlikable. Look what he's just done. Whereas this guy's just a complete knobhead and and you're just sitting there going, I can't wait for you to get your Just Desserts. I just can't wait. But again, I think the payoff wasn't good enough. He needed to explode, I think.
0: Yeah, he seemed to um, kind of get off a get off a little bit easy with just having the the heart attack. Of course, with all the drugs that he's taking, I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier.
1: Of course. I actually thought it was a decent, I, I thought he acted it as, if, I think, if his acting was, if the script is a one, he was acting at like a six or a seven, he was going hard. So, you know, with with what he had to work with, he was doing very well, especially those little bits where he's talking um uh, talking to the patients and she's like, oh, I've hurt my wrist. because I right, I'll take your clothes off. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> it just, you could clearly like, you just must be ad-libbing stuff just for a laugh. You yeah. Know, entertaining himself. So I actually, I enjoyed this section for what it was. Uh, it was, it was decent enough and you could tell that it was elevating the actual script.
0: I, I will say and and we've talked a little bit about you know uh the call girl be needing to be a little bit more subtle and the radio maybe needing a little bit more space to be able to develop that relationship between the radio and jerry here i think it plays at the perfect length where you know we are we, we get hammered for about 15 minutes that dr farwell is uh, he's an asshole you know, and he's quite the asshole because everyone he deals with, he deals with in the most asshole way, and there's zero redemption for this guy. Oh, yeah,
1: massive, massively. Yeah.
0: You know, and as with all good horror films, you want the complete asshole to get their comeuppance. Um, I th- but I think you're right. I think it's one of those things where the payoff needed to be a bit more. He basically had heart failure from all the, you know, visions that he's having of the guy that died from the hot dog that he fed that you know the 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 bad dog um like i i get it and i think they did well enough in putting decent people around him to make him seem even more like an asshole uh you know specifically april wade who played the nurse in this walk-in facility yeah she was Uh, good yeah absolutely and you know the 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 dusty roads girl at the end who has the brain tumor and he's just very dismissive of like yeah you're pretty much gonna die and you know yeah. Yeah. yeah, senior prom? No, okay. Get someone to take you to a senior prom, right? Also, all wrestling fans around the world are going Dusty Roads? Really? Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah,
1: no, that a, that, yeah, I enjoyed that. But
0: you know, you're right. You want the comeuppance to be worth it. You know, not just have a heart attack from a vision, like, and especially considering how for lack of a better term gory this film is even though the gore is you know it you know we're not talking you know straight up slasher horror film kind of gore you know it's it's very i'm surprised this film is rated r i'm not gonna lie it's a little pg for me but you know i'm also a sick bastard but <laughs> <laughs> but it this feels tame in comparison to everything else we've seen so far
1: Oh yes, 100%, uh, but I think you probably need that, especially after that, prof- and that's the whole point, that professor bit, it was, it was. you had the radio, you had the stripper, then you've got that kind of daft goofiness, and then the doctor one, it was actually, it was, as I said, if if you would have, I don't know, got, say, hit by a, a garbage truck and exploded or something, that would have been, that would have made it maybe a competitor to the radio to be, the best one of of the lot because of because that's what you want you want him dead you want him dead and you want him dead badly.
0: I'm, I'm I'm not. I get he dies from a heart attack from the visions. I would have preferred to see him die from a hot dog related incident. Whether he's backed over by the truck, you know, you know, by. by you know, being so scared by the vision that he walks out in the street and he gets hit by a hot dog vending truck, uh, whether he himself chokes on a hot dog, like some kind of, you know, moral circle completion that ends him rather than just has a heart attack from all the drugs he's taken and having visions just.
1: Yeah, of course. But obviously in, in between all this, you've got him going to these, uh, I, I would have guessed it was a sex party, uh, with the demons uh, that he clearly didn't know were demons. Because um, he goes, oh, you brought no one, well, you know what it's like. You've got to bring someone new because we've got to eat them. But like, obviously whether he knew that he didn't know there were demons and he probably got lucky that he wasn't eaten by the demon. And that's the point I was making earlier was the guy didn't need to be a demon because that scene doesn't need, to, you know what I mean? That scene doesn't need to be in, it didn't make the film any better
0: i'm just gonna hypothesize a potential ending that i think would have fit in this scenario so he goes to the party with the demons and you know he's always bringing like the bags of drugs and all that kind of stuff right you know because you know you, you got to bring snacks you got to bring something right mm-hmm. what if he gets kicked out of the you know the the, the walking clinic so he no longer has access to the drugs that he brings to the party he goes to the party we know they're demons you know he doesn't bring any snacks And they're like, well, no, you did bring snacks. They kill him, turn him into hot dogs. All of a sudden, you have that moral circle. And those hot dogs are the ones that are sold at the, like,
1: there. Well, they, Hindsight Productions proudly (laughs) introduces to you.
0: (laughs) Also, if that's the thought that just came out of my mind, I am one sick bastard. So sorry, <laughs> not sorry.
1: I know that's, but that's, that would be a much more fitting ending than dying from a hallucination. Hmm.
0: If, if, the, if the people who wrote that story are listening to this podcast, you're welcome. Go redo it. Good, yes, good director's cut. Um, okay. So we talked about the interconnectedness of this and we talked about um, how it, it, it's, you know, it, maybe not start stop with some of these ones i'm going to put this in your wheelhouse here we've got the five stories right we'll we'll mm-hmm. keep the epilogue as you know where it is um which i want to talk about the epilogue in a second here and we'll keep the opening animation uh intro where it mm-hmm. is if you had the opportunity to reorder any of the five stories and put them in a different order in the film would you
1: Uh, mm, No, because, no, they're they're perfect the way they are. Uh, Although I probably wouldn't have, I probably, I wouldn't, I I would change the professor bit and I would have just not had, I would have maybe not, well, actually what I would have done uh, is not have them chop up the woman. I would have had it that maybe she killed them and then at the end, they're there at the wedding. Perhaps that's the that's the only thing I'd possibly change.
0: Maybe not chop her up, but you know, start start to and have the professor kind of come in halfway through, um, and and all of a sudden be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Right, like. Well,
1: y- yeah, I mean, rather, I mean, maybe, maybe we could have seen ways that they were trying to find out if she was a robot. Maybe to try to short circuit her by electrocuting her or something, you know, to start with, perhaps, you know, rather than. But the ending, again, the payoffs there at the end. So I wouldn't mess about with it too much. But no, I would keep, I would keep that in exactly the the right order because you have to. Because if you take it out of order, then it doesn't make any sense. Not that it makes any sense anyway. But I would keep it in exactly the same order.
0: I think for me, the only thing is that Alice seemed like a a weaker start, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, my whole theory with these anthology series is that you want to start strong and you want to end strong. So, I mean, I would definitely change the ending of The Haunted Dog, but I still think you can end on The Haunted Dog. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could flip-flop the radio and Alice and just give a breath in between um, uh, the radio and The Call Girl
1: yes you can do that yeah, yeah you can do that yeah mm-hmm. no that's
0: yeah. i think that's the only thing i would change um but we need to talk about this epilogue here
1: yeah man.
0: right it. which which is okay if It goes back into the campiness where he's you know basically duct tape weekend to bernie's his wife Um <laughs> uh, and does get to have a marriage and then we, we get to see some of the other characters like we see the the, the the wife from the family from from Alice is still thinking that they have a daughter named Alice, which that's never really explained but um but then it's the power of the remote control you say Jason mhm well clear, clearly they they didn't put her uh, her brain on on mute or, or whatever but but then they they do like this big you know truck or camera truck over back to the hot dog vendor um who all of a sudden takes off the hat and we see that it's like the, you know, it's, it's the creep show guy with the worst freaking CGI I've seen (laughs) in a film in a
1: long time. Like spent all their money, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Like I'm watching this like, and I, I would have been fine if it was just like the creep show guy, like with makeup and whatever, but no, they have to do this really horrible CGI that makes the lawnmower man look good.
1: Um, it was still better than the end of blade. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so many good films with so many bad CGI moments. Like, uh, uh, you know, if you didn't know what you were looking at, you would sit there going, well, what the hell is this? No wonder the guy died from the hot dog kind of thing. But it's, it was almost needless. It was almost like you, you almost needed something else. it's the hot dog guys maybe going to another town Right. Yes. Yeah. And
1: starting all over again. Exactly.
0: Like you mm. don't need to use bad CGI in this case to have like almost a shock type ending. It just got back to the campiness of it. I see what they were trying to do, maybe, but that part flopped. I'm I'm not gonna lie.
1: Oh no! Again, and I think it was, I think it was kind of the thing, the same thing with the uh, professor bit. It's pff, what we're gonna do here. Ah, just do that. Yeah. Doesn't make a difference. Just just get it done. And yeah, yeah, things could have been done a little differently. But I think, like for instance, what they could have shown maybe is the professor setting up home in a new town or something, because again, all of this, you know, the radio, uh, the. the um, not the stripper particularly, uh, but the, obviously the professor bit, the doctor bit, you know, it's all surrounds really. It all surrounds all of the professor's inventions, so to speak. So maybe he sets up in another new town and then it can begin again, just like you said about with the hot dog vendor setting up and starting again. But actually, it could just have been the professor setting up and starting again, but we don't know that because he's somehow managed to put his dead wife back together. So what else can he actually do, which was what I like to remember about the film rather than the really rubbish
0: ending. You, you mentioned something here, and it, and it it kind of actually almost ruins the movie for me. You oh know, because you're mentioning that, you know, in, in your opinion from watching this film, you know, uh, the professor, Professor Dayton, is you know, basically the linchpin for everything that's kind of happening. He's the one that made the remote control that turned Alice into the, mm. the, the the bunny. He's the one that's made the radios that that became the radio. We don't know how he's involved with the demon, but somehow that's there kind of thing.
1: Um, well, he puts people back together, so maybe he created those demons himself.
0: That's quite possible. But then to end on the hot dog vendor implies that the hot dog vendor is the... The linchpin for everything.
1: Yeah, true. No, and there, very there, true, there yeah.
0: are like even in the radio, there's I think there's a pamphlet for the hot dog vendor in his kitchen, as I recall. So you know by uh-huh. you know by really it's it's a it's a lot more subtle. So if you're leaving the film thinking that the professor is the center of everything, and really it's the hot dog vendor, um, you know. The professor leaving in the hot dog vendor revealing his true self at the same time, it, it counters who the true villain is or who the true, you know, catalyst of everything going wrong in Creepville happening.
1: That's very true, Jason.
0: And maybe I'm just thinking way too much about Creepshow 3.
1: I think, to be honest, you did that at the very start, didn't you? You started to <laughs> really, you like, like you, you went a bit hard there. So maybe it, it was just a case of we've got nothing for the end. What should we do? I, I maybe
0: showed my cards a little early. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, given the nature of this film, we're not going to pick an MVP actor because none of the actors really got a... Um, uh, the amount of screen time needed in order to be able to do it. But I I, I will, if you do have an MVP actor, please, please name them. But I'm going to ask you, Philip, it's time mm-hmm. to pick your MVP story out of this.
1: Oh, the radio. All day, every day.
0: Yeah, I... I wholeheartedly agree i think the radio is definitely the 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 best story out of the lot um and the one i think that could have translated into its own movie i mean you could very easily turn that story alone into a feature-length film although i did want to give a shout out on the acting side to april wade she played the nurse in the haunted dog episode that Mm -hmm. that is almost the the antithesis to just how bad a person Doctor Farwell is. So, um, you know, kudos to April Wade. But now, is there anyone that stood out for you in this?
1: Um, yeah, the voice of the radio. Okay, <laughs> I'm yeah. joking. No, uh, no. Uh, in seriousness, I thought probably I thought I thought um, the chap who was in—I I don't remember the the, the chap's name—the chap in the radio. I thought he was good because I thought he played the down on your look kind of guy quite well um and the doctor i thought the doctor was actually really i I thought that actor really elevated the material that he had considering that probably everyone had the same writer or at least had the same type of material He did very well with what he had, and I actually enjoyed his performance.
0: Uh, So for the record, that's A.J. Bowen, who played Jerry in the radio, and the voice of the radio was Cara Cameron. And I'm not going to lie, I looked it up because Cara Cameron was actually on my short list of MVP actors for this because it was one of those things where you, you take a look at the movie Her, right? And Scarlett Johansson's voice was very, very, you know, like it was a character unto itself. And I think Kara Cameron actually did a very good job of doing that in this film as well. So, you know, again, kudos where kudos are are warranted here. Philip, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Give us a second here. Let us know about the Adapted to Screen podcast, not adapted to North America, Adapted to Screen, and where we can find you out there on the interwebs.
1: Oh, well thank you very much yes uh i have a podcast with my co-host richie uh called adapted to screen and what we do we read a book or the source material and then we check the differences between the movie so we've done things like madame doubtfire uh, versus mrs doubtfire um do androids dream of electric sheep versus blade run and we just discussed the differences between the print and what's on screen we're um we're currently on a little season break but we're coming back in the next two or three weeks with um, Nothing Lasts Forever, which of course is the source material for Die Hard, and First Blood, which is the source material for, surprise, surprise, First Blood. And you can find us on all all of the podcast places, so like Spotify, Good Pods, Apple, all of those different places you can find us.
0: I'm not going to lie. it It was a long time before I discovered that First Blood was based on a book probably because i watched rainbow 2 before i watched first blood so that, that that's just me right but uh. mm-hmm. It is, a, it is a very, very good podcast. If you have not had a chance to listen to it, please do, by all means, go check oh, out the Adapted to Screen podcast. Uh, and to you, our listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of It's Not That Bad. Now, you guys know the drill. If there is a film out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there's no way in hell that we can find anything good to say about it hit us up on twitter at not that bad cast or go to our website at not that bad cast.com. there you can find all of our back episodes all of our episodes of there can only be one uh and you can go to our coming soon page and see some of the movies that are coming down the pipe for us until next time phil thank you so much i'm jay this is it's not that bad take care <laughs>